quick scouts phoned about the humidor. And pick your milk for breakfast cereal, Mount Rushmore. They'll be there for you. There's a non-zero chance. Welcome to the Wednesday Show, everybody. What's going on? Adam Azer here with Scott White on Fantasy Baseball today. Coming at you a little bit later than usual. Do apologize, but get this out as soon as we can. What's going on, Scott? It's that time of year, isn't it? Baseball takes a backseat for football. It is sort of that time of year, yeah. So we're going to start doing these podcasts later. Hopefully not that much later. Hopefully only maybe like an hour and a half later in the day, so... Um, not like afternoon or anything like that, but, uh, that, yeah, that is going to happen. Uh, it's my least favorite thing every year, and I always am very sorry, and I am very sorry. I, I hate it for the baseball listeners. Just cold hard facts. We have so many football listeners right now. It's the, the heart of football, fantasy football season. Um, and we sort of have to prioritize that, but we're going to do our yeah. best to get these out as early as we can. What um, we really need to do is clone you. <laughs> And build a new studio. And then we'd be in great shape. Have you seen Multiplicity? Is that the one with, uh, forgetting the actor's name now. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton? Yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Yeah. Multiplicity. We could do that. We could. Now, we have a shortened show today. It's going to be about 50 minutes. So let's talk about the standouts from Tuesday. The non-Acuna edition, because we will talk about Acuna in a little bit. Who is a, who's a Tuesday standout for you? So I don't know that I'm ready to add him because he's caught up in this whole uh the uh the opener situation that the Rays have going on. But Jalen Beeks in his last three appearances, all in relief technically, but all five innings, he's been really good. Two hundred runs in five innings yesterday with eight strikeouts. It was third straight with only two hits in five innings and double-digit swinging strikes in all three, his swinging strike percentage in those three relief appearances is 16%, which is a lead. And it makes sense. I mean, he was one of the best strikeout pitchers in the minors when he got called up. It's why there was so much – there was some enthusiasm when the Red Sox called him up a few months ago, but he was he was so bad early on. And I, I don't know, whatever whatever magic the Rays applied to Tyler Glass now, they seem to have applied to Beeks as well. And if this leads to him transitioning back to a more traditional starting role, he could be an exciting pickup down the stretch. We're going to hope he doesn't pitch at Boston this weekend. We're going to hope he rather faces Kansas City on Monday. But, yeah, Beeks with eight strikeouts at the Yankees. Uh, he's, he does have an 8.03 ERA on the season, but he's been much better since going to the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm not sure that you have the right Rays standout, Scott. Because I'm gonna, oh, really? I'm going to give you a name, and then I'm going to tell you yeah. this. After I, I'll tell you this before I even give you the name. I hope he fails. You got it. You might want to go pick him up, but I hope he's terrible. Why? Because I put in a fab bid for him last night in a very important league, and I didn't get him. And the guy in first place, I'm in second place. The first place guy got this player, and I now hope that he does horribly and that doesn't get a hit the rest of the season. But I don't think that's going to happen for Willie Adamas, who homered yesterday. And had four steals in his previous four games. He is batting wow. four. Yeah, that was what really caught my eye with the, with Adamas. He's batting four ten in August with three home runs, four steals, two doubles, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Thirty one percent owned. Willie Adamas. Adamas. We've seen the trick a few times now. Glaber Torres fits this description, where the the high-end prospect with modest home run totals in the minors comes to the majors and becomes a much better home run hitter immediately, and Adamas seems to be fitting into that. But we don't see that with the stolen bases very often. Right. He was not known as a base stealer right, right. in the minors. So I don't know. I mean, that's I'm not going to count on those going forward, but it's – you know what I always say about stolen bases, Adam? I do. It's just, just a matter of how much you want them. I want them on my team very badly, Scott, and I haven't <laughs> well, found this to you. I haven't found this to not be a... true. <laughs> um, yeah, so Adam is definitely a standout. I, I put in a bid for him and uh, got outbid severely. I also put in a bid for Kevin Gosman. 
if not to keep, at least just to stream for his start this weekend against Miami. So if you can, I think it's this weekend, right? So if you can get him for just this week, you know, it might be, not be a bad idea and maybe beyond that for Kevin Gosman. Just thought I'd throw that out there. He's certainly not a, a standout. Um, would you drop Tim Anderson for Willie Adamas? Tim Anderson, one steal since the All-Star break. Been, he's been streaky with steals. I'll say that. So it's not like he's done, but, but he's been hitting mm-hmm. so poorly. Would you drop Anderson for Adamas? I mean, Adamas still has a 30% strikeout rate. It's, it's been better recently. I think in, I think in standard roto leagues where steals are the higher, or there's the bigger scarcity there, probably, I probably want it. Now points leagues, yeah. Okay, and Yolis Shasin is definitely a standout. He's 83% owned. He struck out 10 Cubs on 10 swinging strikes on 105 pitches. Not a very good percentage. And he's uh, he's got a 3.72 ERA, 12 wins, two starts this year for Shasin with eight earned runs. That has inflated his ERA, but he's mostly been good. And we mostly don't buy it, I think. But what about now with Shasin? I mean, we're we're to a point in the season now where it's like, yes, I don't, I I don't see how he's performing at this level given the underlying stats, but at the same time, why do I think the next start's going to be the start where it all falls apart? And Which is it to say, I mean, even good Shasin hasn't been must-start level. But, I, you know, I'm fine with him as a streamer. Two starts next week, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Cincinnati, yeah. not hitting very well. I think you got to stream him in the two-star week. Yeah. Especially pretty good matchups there. He's 83% owned, so we'll just say you got to start him. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, you know, it's just when when we seem stubborn on a player like this, kind of like what we were with Nick Pavetta, where I think mostly Chris, but probably everybody, not necessarily me, but mm-hmm. the three analysts saying Pavetta's good, Pavetta's good, Pavetta's good. Well, his last three starts, he's got 19 strikeouts to two walks, three earned runs over 18 innings. He just pitched well against Boston yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, ERA— I mean, Matt Carpenter is the, yeah, the biggest yeah. example, right? Because that sure. was years— Felt like years in the making. It was over a year where it's like, it should be a lot better than this. Sure. And, uh, then he finally was. So we're in year two of Shasin basically performing this same trek, but it's still, but last like, I'm year, still not, I'm still not going to rank him at face value next year going into next year. That's for sure. Well, the thing is last year he was only at home when he was with San Diego. It made sense. Now he's with Milwaukee. It made sense to say, Oh, he's going to be bad. He's having a good year. So good for Shasin. Uh, Scott, here's a segment called Caught My Eye. Caught is in quotes. Caught My Eye. Danny Jansen t- homered, and Taylor Ward went two for three with an RBI double and a walk. These two I see what you did there. catcher-eligible players caught my eye and did well yesterday. Now, uh-huh. we didn't. We did talk about them yesterday when you weren't on. I would like for you to give your opinions on Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen and Angels infielder who's catcher-eligible Taylor Ward. The one I want is Taylor Ward because it seems like they've called him up to be their primary third baseman. I don't know if he'll play quite every day, but it should be pretty close. He hit like 350 between two minor league stops this year with an OPS near a thousand. And you know, a lot of that was in the PCL, but he, the slash line was just as good at double A too. So it's, it's not, it wasn't, I don't think it was a hitter environment situation. Um, He's he's interesting because he was regarded as a good defensive catcher, and yet they moved him off catcher to third base because they thought it would get more out of his bat, keep him fresher, take better advantage of the athleticism, and it couldn't have worked out any better. It was it was kind of a head scratcher decision, but man, has it worked out! Obviously, a good debut for him, and if he's if he's an everyday player as a catcher eligible player. He doesn't even have to be great with the bat to be top 12 at the position from this point forward, probably. And if he is great, could be top five. Would you rather have John Hicks or Taylor Ward? John Hicks isn't healthy, and I don't know if, how long it's going to be before he's healthy. But regardless, I'd rather have Ward. Would you rather have Taylor Ward or – well, I said Hedges yesterday, so that's boring. I'll stop going to him. <laughs> um, yeah, don't he- no more hedging. Yeah, I don't, God, catcher is so annoying. Robinson Chirinos or Taylor Ward? I do rank Chirinos ahead. 
but there's there's clearly more upside for Ward. Okay. Which isn't to say there's no upside for Jansen. I mean, he's pretty interesting himself. It's just, you know, he, he doesn't have the built-in advantages Ward has. What is your gut feeling? I know you have to say the other guy over Taylor Ward, but your honest gut feeling, who do you think is going to be better down the stretch, Buster Posey or Taylor Ward? <laughs> uh, my gut feeling's Posey. Okay, yeah, me too. Um, all right, so those guys caught my eye, LOL. Um, now, more standouts from yesterday, Scott. I I think you got to be pretty confident starting them. Well, I'll get your opinion on that. But I'm wondering if we've got some some studs on our hands. The next pitchers to break out, get into the next tier. And I've, I've asked this before, but let's ask it again. Armand Marquez and Nick Pavetta. Who do you like better? Who's got a brighter future? What are you seeing, Marquez and Pavetta? Oh, man. Like asking me to choose between children. Oh. Well, Although, you have I mean, two, no, no, no. You Chris have, Towers wait, has a stronger wait, wait, claim to wait. that. You have two kids right now. Who do you like better? <laughs> <laughs> it um, honestly depends on the day. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It, it really does. Um, there isn't, I don't know, maybe when their personalities uh, develop a little more. Scott, you're, you're giving way too real of an answer here. This, this is a fake question. You're not allowed to like one of them more. I, I was, I was knowing my audience here. You're the one who always says parents actually do. Oh, they do. Like that's true. Know. Yeah, I'm, la- yeah. I'm third in my, fa- my, I have two siblings that my family definitely, my parents definitely like them just slightly better. Like, I'm still like a 99.9% on the Lyco meter, but they're both hundreds. Um, <laughs> my brother's probably 101. <laughs> All right, so Marquez and Pavetta. Uh, I, 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 they're, I, I think they're both really good. I'd want to own both. I think they're both definitely trending the right direction. There has been a clearer, uh, transformation, I guess, for Marquez and the results have correlated to that in a clearer way. But obviously he has the course field disadvantage, which is the biggest knock on either of them. They both have high swinging strike rates, at least Herman does during this breakthrough. So I'm going to go with Pavetta, but Herman is, uh, he was picked up in a lot of leagues for this two-star week. You obviously need to own him. I, mean, I know he's, his ownership's up now because of that, but obviously you're not dropping him after the two-star week. I don't care how his next start goes. Yeah, I think the question is for Herman, who apparently you're on first name basis with, um, is do you feel comfortable starting him at home? And I do, right now. His last yeah. two home starts been great. Yeah, because this, yeah, I've, there was a home away thing going on earlier, and I don't know exactly how it relates to, um, kind of the the mechanical adjustment he made. It's not even so much a mechanical adjustment, just being more consistent with his delivery and getting better results with the curveball as a result of that. And yeah, that seems to have translated to home, his home starts as well. So it'll always be riskier at home, but uh, the kind of run he's on now, I don't think you worry too much about where he's pitching. All right, news and notes. I got a lot of them, so sit tight, everybody. Take some notes. Get a pen and paper out. Trevor Bauer is on the DL with a small stress fracture in his right leg. Do we have a timetable for Bauer? We don't, which is frustrating because obviously he's been one of the best 10 pitchers in baseball this year. So I, I would guess it measures in weeks, but is it two weeks? Is it four weeks? Is it six weeks? That makes a big difference at this stage of the season, especially. Yeah. They're going to win the division, so they don't have to rush Bauer back. James Paxton's going to miss at least one start. He took a comebacker off the forearm. He has a bruised forearm. Felix Hernandez will likely rejoin the Seattle rotation. Uh, Robinson Cano started at first base yesterday. I guess we didn't really talk about it, but with Cano back, I mean, D. Gordon's still going to play. He'll play some center field. He'll play second base. But uh, Ryan Healy, Kyle Seeger maybe could lose some playing time, Scott, with Cano back. Healy, I would say for sure. Yeah, and he hasn't had a very good year, so it would make sense. But yeah, Cano's supposed to play every day. That's the stance. I'm sure he'll get a day off here and there just because he's old and everybody gets days off, but he's, he's, you don't have to worry about his playing time. 
Ryan Madsen's on the DL. Coda Glover is the temporary closer for the Nationals. What is your interest in Coda Glover? He's 8% owned. My interest is at a higher level than his ownership percentage would suggest. Uh, and Adam, like, I don't know if you've taken inventory of the, the closer landscape lately, but it is dismal <laughs> right now. It's terrible. Yeah. So just the fact that we know who's in line for saves in Washington gives, is like a leg up over half the bullpens in baseball. L- literally, I, I did a bullpen report Monday. Uh, and usually, you know, that's something I do every other week or so. And I just kind of, um, look at the, the questionable closer situations. And usually there's like six to eight at any given time. 16. There was 16 guys where I can't say for sure who's going to get, uh, the next save or at least be getting saves a week or two from now for the team. That's more than half the league. And, and so, yeah, I mean, Coda Glover probably needs to be owned in, in any league where teams are using three closers fantasy teams are uh, just for that reason yeah it could be short term hopefully it's it's short term for uh for washington they could get Doolittle little herrera back but glover eight percent own you know he he hasn't been very good in his career really and he just allowed a walk-off home, home run last time out but yeah closer so bad that i wonder how much kenley jansen or oldest chapman and craig kimbrell are going to go for next year you know like they, it is, we do not have the same depth that we used to have at closer, and those guys are just unbelievable. Kenley Edwin Jansen. Diaz is among them now, right? Oh yeah, sure, sure, Edwin and Diaz. Yeah. I'm, Blake Trinan certainly has been this year. Now part of me is hesitant to trust yeah. Trinan on that level again, but the numbers are what they are. I mean, Scott, who was the number four closer, was number four? Who was the number four closer this year in ADP? Number four this year was, was it Ken Giles? I believe it was Corey Knable. Okay, yeah. And you're right. five yep. five may have been Giles. But yep. he was up there. Um Kenley Jansen has a chance to return next week. He might beat his uh his estimated timetable by a lot. Brandon Crawford likely to avoid the DL. Tommy Pham could be back this weekend for the Rays. Tyler O'Neill is back. He sat yesterday against a lefty. Now you look at his splits, he's been much better against righties and terrible against lefties, but he is righty. He is a righty. Harrison Bader, meanwhile, I believe is better against lefties. I don't know if that's a platoon there, uh, where Bader plays against lefties and O'Neill against righties. We will find out. But Jose Martinez has been starting every day in, in the outfield. Marcelo Zuna as well. Um, Brian Dozier back in the lineup a day after he left with an elevated heart rate. George Springer expected to return Friday. Yasil Puig and Nick Hundley got into a big fight. Brandon <laughs> Morrow is making progress, but there's no timetable for his return. You Darvish could go on a rehab assignment soon. Adam Jones is going on the bereavement list and could miss up to three games. Steven Matz is expected to start at the Phillies tomorrow. He'll come off the DL and make that start. Are you going to start Steven Matz? No. Philadelphia called up Hector Neris. I'm assuming that doesn't matter. And Wilson Ramos could return today. George Springer should be back on Friday. There's still no timetable for Jose Altuve, but he's expected to start hitting soon. Michael Fulmer made a rehab start. Uh, I do believe Joey Votto was in the lineup yesterday. He was. Uh, Robinson, Chirinos. Okay, yeah, Chirinos, DH. This could be interesting. Beltre was out. We don't know if he's going on the DL, but there's a chance, obviously. Chirinos, DH. Kiner Falefa caught, and Profar started at third base. So that could be good news for both Chirinos and Kiner Falefa if you need a catcher. Uh, Kiner Falefa is... I think in the top 12 in total fantasy points at the position this year, which says as much about the position as Kiner Falefa himself. But he's right behind Kurt Suzuki now. Chirinos has an 895 OPS since the All-Star break. He's been very good. And Adalberto Montesi stole three bases yesterday. He is 31% owned. That gives him 15 this season in 38 games. Would you rather own Malik Smith or Adalberto Montesi? Malik Smith. Pretty easily. So obviously, uh, uh, yeah. this is the best we've seen from Adalberto in the majors so far. Scott, it's time for a very tough question, and that's what we do on Fantasy Baseball today. We ask Scott the tough questions. Is it time to sit Joey Votto? <laughs> uh, no. No, it's not, it's not time to sit Joey Votto. He's actually, I, you know, it's a stretch of what, four games? Where he's done, he, he's, he's, you know, 
batting average is back up a little. Well, he's playing hurt. Yeah. He's sort of in and out of the lineup, so that's going to be a factor. But Joey Votto is now the number seven first baseman in points, which is wonderful. Number 22 in Roto. He has been bad against lefties all year. Over his last 28 days, he is the number 51 first baseman in points leagues. <laughs> so part of that is missed time. Part of that is also a 274 batting average with a 323 slugging percentage. What Over what stretch of time? 28 days. Oof. 439 on base. In, in, at first base, he's 50-something? First. 51st. Yeah, okay. And that stretch I was referring to wasn't as good as I was thinking. He walked in five straight games. That's probably what I was remembering. Yeah. Yeah, he still walks. Like in this stretch where he's the 51st best first baseman over 28 days, Votto has 17 walks to 17 strikeouts, but he has two or three extra base hits and they're doubles. It's a, it's a bad year for Joey Votto. And, um, with the injury, I'm less confident that he's just going to get crazy hot. It's a bad year. And he's about to turn 35. Right, but dun, dun, but his OBP dun, dun. is unbelievable. His walk yeah. rate is incredible. Sure. If if the power isn't there, though, and he may be, he may be in that stage of his career where he's losing power. Oh yeah. Um. You know. OBP, OBP alone does not a fantasy stud make. So I'm trying to think off the top of my head where we would draft Joey Votto if the season ended today. And I feel like it, it might not be in the first five rounds. Wow. So I'd have to disagree with you in a points league because he's still the number seven first baseman in points leagues. Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't think I could go earlier than four, even in that format. I mean, you got to figure at least a dozen pitchers are going before him, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because the the stat that concerns me the most with Votto is batting average against lefties. Now he struggled against lefties, but I really may <laughs> just rewind a few months of saying the same thing about Matt Carpenter because he was struggling against lefties. And sure, I, I thought that was a sign of aging. You know, I haven't really bothered to look at Joey Votto's batted ball profile this year. Go for it. Because he's Joey Votto, and you don't really waste a lot of time thinking about him. Scott, but, Scott why, why don't you – what's up with the no vibrate on the on the cell phone? <laughs> you, just, you, don't, you don't like the vibrate function. It's very useful. Uh, I mean, I could just silence it, right? That would be the considerate thing to do. Either way. Either now that way. you've called me out on it. Yeah. Oh, man. Joey Votto's line drive rate is like the best I've ever seen. Yeah, he's Matt Carpenter. Uh, but no, the fly ball, Matt Carpenter had a great fly ball rate too, and Votto, Votto's is one of the worst he's ever had. Mm. Interesting. Uh, but Interesting. hardly any soft contact. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not ready to write him off completely, but what I was saying about fourth round next year may still apply. Okay. Alright, well, uh, also, the SeatGeek app. That's a very natural transition. The Seeky Gap is uh, better than Joe, more reliable than Joey Votto. I will tell you that much. And when you want to get a discount on tickets, download the Seeky Gap, buy some tickets, and use the code F. Oh, use code Fantasy. The code is Fantasy for twenty bucks off your first Seeky purchase. Now you know me. I, I tell the truth when I do these reads, and I use the Seeky Gap all the time. I, I'm whenever I need tickets. I'm not going to say I'm constantly looking for tickets, but when I'm going to an event. First place I go to is SeatGeek. It's often the only place I go to because I get great deals. I do remember last year I went to a Knicks game with my friend, and we found basically very, very similar tickets, but a row or two apart on SeatGeek and on a different website. The SeatGeek tickets were about 10 bucks cheaper per seat. And then I gave him the code, Fantasy, and he got 20 bucks off. Cheaper tickets to begin with, and then the $20 discount. That's why we love SeatGeek. It searches multiple sites. It finds the best deals. It shows you very clearly where the best value is, and you get the discount. Fantasy is the code. You get 20 bucks off, and every ticket is fully guaranteed. So download the SeatGeek app and enter the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Scott, the most frustrating starting pitcher is at it again. Rick Porcello. His last six starts, two innings, eight runs. Six innings, no runs. Five and two-thirds, four runs. 
Nine innings, one run. Four innings, seven runs. Seven innings, one run. Nick Porcello, uh, Rick Porcello. Oh, Nick Porcello. Wow, that's his alter ego. But Rick Porcello, will he have one good and one bad start next week, or will he have <laughs> two good ones? I mean, you start him, and you don't stress about it that much. I'm glad I didn't bench him after that awful start against the Blue Jays, who, you know, they're responsible for the the two really bad starts. Four four earned runs in five and two thirds innings. I mean, yeah, it's a it's not a good start, but it's not the kind of start that would question what direction Rick Porcello's taking, you know. So it's really just those two Blue Jays starts that that uh, may have given you some cause for concern. And, uh, and, yeah, I mean, like I said last time, maybe the Blue Jays just have his number. They're seeing something. I don't know. And where do you think he ranks among starting pitchers this year? Like, is this quizzing me? You're quizzing me where he is? Yeah. Um, Rick Porcello is 24th. No, wrong. He's 13th in points. He's 16th in Roto. Okay. Good year there for you Rick go. Porcello. Even more reason. I mean, 15 and 5 yeah, record. 15 and 5 helps. 15 and 5 yeah. helps. Alright, as you've noticed, it's a bit of a, I don't know, scatterbrain show, just kind of a lot of different things. So we've talked about Vado, Porcello, those rookie catchers. We talked about all those news and notes items, a little bit of bullpen, Willie Adamas, Jalen Beeks. Now let's talk about Miguel Sano. Here's your quote of the day. Quote, I think he's been real close to clicking on some balls. My observation is that the swings and misses are a lot less frequent. His chases out of the zone are a lot more rare. That is Twins manager Paul Molitor on Miguel Sano. Are you seeing enough from Sano, who's batting 282, 364, 487 in August? Are you seeing enough to to justify a 65% ownership? No, I'm not. And I think definitely in a points league, I would rather have Johan Camargo. Oh. Which, you know, it seems like I'm pulling that out of the blue. That was, that was something I, uh, made reference to in, in a waiver wire column earlier this week. Like, guys like Johan Camargo, talking specifically for a points league, talk, guys like Johan Camargo, Wilmer Flores, they're boring, low-ceiling players, but they're also very high floor when they're getting the playing time they are now. And I think that's that's how you want to pad your lineup this time of year. Camargo, 49% owned. Last 28 days, he's the number eight third baseman in points, number nine in Roto. Um, he's batting 315. Now, I, I am noticing, though, Scott, with Camargo in this 28-day stretch where he's been very good, three walks, 18 strikeouts. That's kind of unusual yeah. for him, right? Well, or no? Why it certainly it? wasn't last year. I mean, last year he he had poor plate discipline, so he walked a lot at the start of this year. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to stick. So why is he a high regardless. floor player? Why is he high floor, Camargo? Because he makes a lot of contact. Ah, both he and Flores, and they, you know, they're not slap hitters. They're not power hitters, but they have extra base pop and. You know, if they got 600 bats, I'm sure they probably would hit 20 homers in this environment. All right, so you're not buying it with Sano. He's 65% owned. You'd rather have Camargo, who has nine doubles and four home runs in his last 28 days. Here are some crazy stats, baseball fans. Oakland is one game out of first place in the AL West, and the Astros have lost nine straight home games. That's crazy. I'm going to ask you, Scott, what's the craziest stat when I give all of them? Uh, Patrick Corbin has made 10 starts without allowing a home run. That ties him with Chris Sale for the longest active streak in baseball. Uh, Yadier Molina has played in 22 straight games, the most by a catcher 35 years or older in Major League history. The Red Sox have already tied the amount of home runs they hit last year. They were last in the American League with 168. They have 168 this year. And Ronald Acuna has hit a leadoff homer in his third straight game, and he has become the youngest player ever to homer in five straight games. And he has eight home runs in his last eight straight games. What's the craziest stat? Well, you made it easy with the last one. That's Acuna is clearly the craziest. Mm, I, I think Molina is the craziest. Okay. I mean, I was leaning that way. Uh, I also think it's crazy that 
you know, obviously the Astros have a lot of injuries right now, but there isn't much doubt in my mind there. I, I know they don't have the best record, but there isn't much doubt in my mind they're the best team in the majors. Are you kidding um, so me right now? I'm not kidding you. Uh, the Red Sox could set the wins record. I understand. I, I, I don't have a problem with you calling the Astros the best, but you're not even considering the Red Sox? I, I There's little doubt in my mind that the Astros, when healthy, are the best team in the majors. Their pitching staff is ridiculous, and obviously they have plenty of offense too. So, yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, let me think about this for a second. I, they have a better bullpen than the Red Sox too, right? The Red Sox bullpen's nothing special. Um, you bet. Is it? No, I think it's better than we might think. Like guys, I think like Matt Barnes is. Matt okay. Barnes is having a really good year. Yeah, uh, Kimbrel, J- Joe Kelly maybe? I don't know. I don't know either. They have a, a probably shouldn't a, say it if I don't know. Well, it. they have a bit of a uh, non-district but, bullpen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's talk about Acuna. Okay. Do you want me to? Do you want me to lead you into Acuna? I I was pausing for dramatic effect. Oh, <laughs> was dr- but was I, I mean, I don't I don't really know exactly what to say about Acuna. I, I, obviously, this is historic in these in this seven day stretch where he's homered eight times. Uh, he's he may have emerged as the rookie of the year front runner, which is amazing to think because Juan Soto is having this historic year. Um, and ultimately, like I believe what Soto's been doing more. He has basically been the same guy since he set foot in the majors, and that's you know arguably a top fifteen hitter in all the majors. Uh but Acuna has the higher war now. He's nearly caught up to him in, in OPS. Much better defender. Not that it matters for fantasy purposes. I guess I I guess what I'd caution about Acuna, and this is understanding you know, he was one of the most hyped prospects we've seen in a long time coming into the year. We don't really know where the ceiling goes for him, but his production this year is mostly built on the home runs and the way it looks now because he's coming off this unprecedented stretch. Um, it kind of everything's inflated, including the fact he's hitting 288. I mean, he's, he doesn't profile as a 288 hitter if he continues to strike out like he has, if he has, uh, you know, the modest line drive rate he has. That's not who he's going to be. And while he's been better at stealing bases since moving to the leadoff spot, he's not a guy who's profiling for a 30, 30 season. You know, he's, he's going to be a pretty good base stealer. I don't think a great one. So, uh, when the home run rate inevitably slows, uh, I think Juan Soto's going to distance himself again, but, we're probably talking a top 20 outfielder, at least for Acuna. Well, we got an email from James in Tallahassee. It's our email of the day. And I wanted to get to a lot of emails today. I don't think we will. But tomorrow, we'll, we'll do the, the thuriometer Thursday. We'll get the worryometer out. And we'll read, we'll do a mailbag. Cause we're getting a ton of emails. It's a stretch run. I want to help a lot of people. That'll be tomorrow. But right now, James in Tallahassee, uh, is calling us out for agreeing that Acuna was better than Soto yesterday. Um, I don't remember. Oh, exa- really? I don't remember uh, exactly what we said. I, I think maybe in a dynasty perspective, we were we were saying Acuna and Roto. I don't remember exact. I don't remember it being that one sided. <laughs> but man, this is a hot button issue right now because I like I, I'm being eaten by my own kind on Twitter. Braves fans have totally uh, turned on me because I had the nerve to say three home runs ago for Acuna. By the way. Uh, I had the nerve to say, while well, he's not Soto, Ronald Acuna is clearly living up to the hype now. And that became a referendum on Acuna somehow because I said, well, he's not Soto. I mean, I thought I was just stating the obvious. Soto, like I said, you know, is having this historic season for a rookie. I mean, in recent memory, there's Pujols, there's Trout, there's uh Aaron Judge just last year. And, and then I feel like there's Soto. In terms of what, and, and Soto's doing it at 19, you know? Right. Well, I just um, did a Twitter poll just now. In a dynasty league, who would you rather have? Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna? We will, we'll monitor the votes, but this uh, is- Oh, I'm sure Acuna will win. I, there, there have been several polls online that I've seen who, who, who's rookie of the year today, which isn't even, you know, as long-term 
uh, which you would seem, which you would think Soto would have even a bigger advantage for. And Acuna's run away with all this polls. So clearly, uh, I, I mean, Acuna but, being in the headlines so much right now. Yeah, let me um, let me just say, well, let me just. I want to really get to what James said. Is uh, it was a great email. Okay, go ahead. I, I mean, it was a very long email. But to sum it up, you look at the batted ball data. Juan Soto's hard contact rate is thirty five percent. Acuna's is forty four point six percent. Juan Soto, his he's got a fifty three percent ground ball rate and a twenty nine point eight percent fly ball rate. Acuna is basically one to one. You have forty two percent ground ball, forty one percent fly ball. Home run to fly ball ratio for Soto and Acuna is almost exactly the same, about twenty five percent. But so many more ground, so many more fly balls for Acuna. Uh, line drive rate seventeen point two percent for Soto, seventeen point four percent for Acuna. But there are, I think, James laid it out. There are underlying statistics that would say Acuna is actually a better hitter. And and okay. X Wobicon, X Wobicon, I guess is a stat. Four ninety nine for Acuna, four twenty three for Soto. Here's here's how I'd sum it up. Because if I was on yesterday's podcast, I would have said Soto easily. And it's no knock on Acuna. My gosh, how many times have I hyped Acuna this year? <laughs> <laughs> there are basically no concerns for me about Soto as a hitter with a one to one strikeout to walk ratio. As a 19-year-old in his first look at the majors, that is jaw-dropping. And the fact that he's a left-handed hitter who's been even better against lefties and righties. Like, how is this going to go wrong for Soto, right? I can certainly envision a scenario where it go- ends up going righter for Acuna. But I-, I think if you stick with Soto, there's no way you can mess that up. The ground ball rate is very high, though. 53%. Eh. Okay. Okay. And uh, well, he's not condemned to being that the rest of his career, but I didn't. Right. I didn't. And then obviously, it. how much does it hurt him, really? Yeah, I didn't notice you know? it until this email. So, all right, in the bullpen, Michael Givens got this is this is a really crappy segment. Michael Givens got another save for Baltimore. Trevor Hildenberger got another save for Minnesota. I'm talking about the bullpen segment, not the Acuna segment. Uh, Xavier Cedeno got a save for the White Sox. Jordan Hicks got a save for the Cardinals, which is interesting, but. Bud Norris had pitched each of the previous two days. Ken Giles remains perfect in save chances. He's 43% owned, and he got his 14th save. Would you rather have Giles or uh, Coda Glover? Uh, I would rather have Giles. Kent Maeda pitched in a tie game in the ninth inning at home. That's what closers do. And he gave up three hits in a run, and he took the loss. <laughs> <laughs> and, Scott, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Will Smith's going to keep the job when Hunter Strickland's back. I hope you're right. I think you'll be right, but I'm not as confident as you sound. Scott, have you ever been an MLB manager? I never have, no. Now you get the chance. New segment called Managing Milwaukee. Let's take a look at Jonathan Scope, Mike Moustakas, and Travis Shaw. Uh, Basically, you know, recently. Jonathan Scope has sat three of the last six games. And in his last 14 days, he is batting 150 with one extra base hit, one walk, and 17 strikeouts. Scope has been terrible. Mike Moustakas has started seven of the last eight games, including the last two against lefties. Before that, he did sit three of four times against lefties. Uh, and Travis Shaw has sat two in a row against lefties. But when he's been in the lineup, Travis Shaw has hit very well. Um, you are now Craig Council. How is this going to play out rest of season? So I don't actually think get to think for myself. I have to think like Craig Council. Yeah. Uh, I lowered both Shaw and Moustakis in my rankings. I lowered Scope, too, though. That was as much performance-related as playing time-related. I think it's going to continue to play out exactly like it has. They all rob at bats from each other, and they're all pretty fringy in mixed leagues. Scope may be a little less than fringy uh, as a result. I would like, what I would do if I was counsel is just say forget defense just because I don't like defense. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd put Scope at shortstop and Shaw at second. But you can certainly understand why he wouldn't want to do that full time. Uh, Yeah, hey, Skip, uh, all your pitchers are very angry at you. You owe them an explanation. (laughs) Uh, Would you rather have Yoan Camargo ahead of Moustakas or Travis Shaw? Uh, Yoan Camargo? No, no, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, you can't, can't quite do that. Uh, hey, real quick, 
Trevor Story or Xander Bogarts? Trevor Story. Trevor Story no is is now hitting 267 with a 445 slugging percentage on the road. Very respectable. Uh, hey, real quick, Jesus Aguilar or Anthony Rizzo? Rizzo. Though it's 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 comforting to see that Aguilar hasn't gotten mixed up in this playing time crunch as much as maybe people feared. He seems to be the safest of the infielders in terms of how much he plays. That was a real quick edition of Hey Real Quick. Who are you going to draft ahead uh, next year, Story or Bogarts? Story. Yeah, okay. Uh, rank them. Let's talk about these starting pitchers. Rank them. Oh, uh, this guy's going to be last. Gio Gonzalez. Maybe we can just take him off the list. Gio Gonzalez is 91% <laughs> Owen Scott. Past 12 starts, 35 walks to 41 strikeouts. So do you trust him against Miami? Because he's had very few good starts, but one of them was against Miami just a few starts ago. Seven innings, one run. He will be against the Marlins this weekend. Gio. I mean, you can make a case to start anybody against Miami. Is that something I'm eager to do? No. All right, then rank these guys. Jamison Tyone, Alex Wood, Anibal Sanchez, Jose Quintana, and Jay Happ. Tyone, Wood, Anibal Sanchez, Quintana, and Happ. I will go Jay Happ, number one. Followed by Tyone, Quintana, Wood, Anibal. Pretty surprised to he- Wait. Wait a second. Happ one, Wait. Tyone two. Mm-hmm. Then Quintana? I think so. Yeah. I'm surprised. Trying to remember. I'm, I'm very surprised by this list. What surprise is he? I thought Tyone would be one. I thought Hap would be three or four. I knew Sanchez would be last. I mean, Hap is clearly a better strikeout pitcher than Tyone. Clearly a lot more win potential than Tyone. And I think a safer bet to go seven innings. Well, that I'd have to agree with for sure. And yeah, I have to agree with all three of those points. So why would you rank him behind Tyone? Well, I think Tyone's going to be better at keeping runs off the board. He has been slightly better than, at, than Hap at that this year. I would expect, I would expect the gap to be bigger going forward. Okay. We'll see. But not much. Um, and I really like Alex Wood. He just, they don't let him go more than six innings. Ever. Which they don't like Quintana much either. Oh, I, I'm not sure how much we can trust Quintana. I mean, he's got a 138 yeah. whip. He's got the home run problem again. 20 homers in 125 innings. Right. Yeah. I could be talked into Wood ahead of Quintana. That's the one thing I could be talked into changing. I do think Wood is a safer start at this point in the season than Quintana. Um, I just don't know that he's as reliable a part of his team's rotation. Yeah, I, that's a good point. They could always move people around in the Dodgers rotation. Wood, though, like, you're basically getting six innings, two runs. Yeah. He's steady. Unspectacular, very steady. but very, like, he's, he's, you don't really worry about him crushing your ratios. Couple hitters who are trending up recently, Justin Turner. Three doubles yesterday. He's batting 436 in August with three walks, five strikeouts, six doubles, a triple, and two homers. Justin Turner looks like a must-start right now. And Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun is 76% owned, Scotty. Homer twice yesterday. And he usually sits once every three or four games. Yep. But do you trust Braun when he's in the lineup? Because I really think, you know, before this hot stretch, he wasn't even that good of a hitter. It wasn't even like, well, he's not no. playing that much. He just wasn't doing anything. No. It's true. And his, he's always managed to make good on a low fly ball rate. Obviously he's been a home run hitter throughout his career, but that's, that's begun to, uh, write itself in recent seasons. I guess, you know, he loses a little bit of that strength as he gets older. And it's seeming to have the biggest effect this year. Ryan Braun. So, so 76% owned. Is he someone you'd want on your team? No, that that seems that seems drastically overowned, quite frankly. 
definitely feel like the name value is carrying him there. I mean, just on by virtue of him sitting every third game. Right, right. Would you rather have Avi Garcia or Braun? I would rather have Garcia. Would you rather have Malik Smith or Braun? Smith. Okay. A few players who are trending down right now. Gregory Polanco is batting 119 with no homers, no steals in August. Four walks, 17 strikeouts. Very disappointing. Come on, Greg. I know. Keep the breakout going, dude. And then, no, I don't think you're dropping Polanco, but I do wonder about dropping Odubel Herrera. Not saying he's a must drop, but I think Odubel Herrera is a can drop. In mid-June, he had, he had homered in four straight games. Or I think five straight games. Since then, he's batting 206 with a 611 OPS. Yeah. He's a number, he's a, he's a, about a 30th overall outfielder without missing time really. He's played 112 games. He, he seems like extremely fringy to me, Odubel Herrera. I mean, in a three outfielder league, you almost have to play the hot hand to an extent. There's just so many usable, so many uh, players who are cycling in and out of usability. I I think in the long run, Odubel Herrera is still a top 30 outfielder, but I don't know. Let's just say if you dropped him, it's it's not the last time he'll, he'll be owned in your league this year. And we talked about Tim Anderson. He's been trending down. Jake Bowers is also trending down. Jake Bowers is batting 118 in his last 11 games, Scott, with a 426 OPS thanks to a good OBP. Seven walks in those 11 games. Uh, did we overhype Jake Bowers, or is he still, you know, still worth owning in 65% of leagues, which is where he's at right now? I still think he's worth owning in that, that, uh, in that number of leagues. Um, yeah, the strikeouts have been kind of disappointing. I gotta say, that's that's helped drag down that batting average, and in the long run, he's going to need to do that less. But I've been encouraged by the power he's shown, and he's yeah. uh, he's a guy who walks a lot, and he runs too. Last eleven games, batting one eighteen, he's he's got only one steal, but in four attempts. So I mean, he's still a great line drive rate and, and and a fairly low fly ball rate. So he should be a high BABIP guy right now. His BABIP's two seventy. All right, Scott, fringy starting pitchers. I'll let you go after this, and then I'll finish up, and I'll talk about um, today's matchups. All right, who do you want here, if anyone? Mike Fires? He's been really good lately. Jaime Berea, Ryan Barucki, Luis G- Lucas Giolito. Fires, Berea, Barucki, Giolito. I think Fires I want the most, and I don't want him that much. Right. Texas and at Minnesota next week for Fires. Oh, two starts? Yeah. And it's... In Oakland, that Texas start. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to be among the two start sleepers. Okay. 55% oh, maybe get a, get ahead of your league and go ahead and pick up Mike Fires. Scott has to run. Uh, I don't. I will walk, jog back to you and talk about today's matchup. Scott, thank you very much. All right, Adam. See ya. So let's take a look at today's matchups. And by the way, uh, we should probably just mention Freddie Galvis's name. He is red hot. He's homered in three straight games, five times in August. Personally, I, I'm not really interested. He's 10% owned, but if he does something uh, today, I will ask Scott about Freddie Galvis tomorrow. All right, we got we got some early games. You might be hearing this after they start, but I think everybody's going to start both Chris Archer and Jose Barrios. Going to start Carlos Rodon at Detroit, and do we trust Jordan Zimmerman against the White Sox? The White Sox strike out. So much. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna check his game log right now to see. Uh, well, the last two starts have been fine for Zimmerman, but specifically how he's done against Chicago. Uh, pretty bad this year in two starts. So I'm gonna just go ahead and play it safe and not start Jordan Zimmerman. I don't really trust him, regardless of the matchups. Uh, this is a really interesting one. Junior Guerra at Kyle Hendricks. I think that Hendricks should be started. Um, I think he's been for the most part, not destroying you lately. And I, the Cubs lineup has been kind of cold. You know, they were getting shut out before Bodie's Grand Slam. Of course, that was against Max Scherzer. They got shut down by Shasin yesterday. <sighs> I'm having trouble committing to this. I, I'm going to start Junior Guerra. There is one split that I want to look into, though. 497 ERA on the road. 
Let's sit Junior Guerra. All right, we'll start Hendricks and we'll sit Guerra. Uh, Mariners at the A's. Mike Leak at Brett Anderson. Yeah, I, I I'm nervous about Leak. I know he's been pitching well lately. The park is good for him, but the A's have been so good. They're the hottest team in baseball. Them and the Red Sox. Leak is coming off five straight quality starts, including one at Colorado, including one at Houston. So how do you not start Mike Leak? I think that's fair. I think you can start him. I will not call him a must start, but he's fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm always a little nervous because Leak is just so streaky. Jake Faria at Luis Sessa. I will start neither of them. Red Sox at Phillies. Evaldi at Velasquez. I'm gonna start Evaldi. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give Velasquez a try. I wouldn't do it in Fenway Park, but has he warranted it? It's again borderline. He's right up there with Mike Leak. I don't think Velasquez is a must start, but I would say, I would say start. Going to start Zach Wheeler at Baltimore, and yeah, I'll start Dylan Bundy. Man, there are some tough calls today. I wish the guys were on. <laughs> it's a tough day for me to be giving this advice. Um, You know what? I just don't really trust Dylan Bundy when it's all said and done. Uh, he gave up seven runs in his last outing. He's given up five or more in runs in four of his last six. I know it's the Mets, but yeah, I'm going to sit Bundy. I'm going to start Wheeler. Indians at Reds. I'm going to start Bieber, sit Stevenson. Going to sit Jose Urania and Kevin Gosman is actually starting tonight. So that's the, that's the start against the Marlins and I will be starting him. Tyler Anderson at Garrett Cole and I will start both of them. Marco Estrada is at, uh, let's see, Jorge Lopez and I will sit both of them. Nationals at Cardinals, Jeremy Hellickson, you're probably not going to get a quality start. He doesn't go deep into games. And, and, uh, Austin Gomber, yeah, he's tough. I'm going to put him behind Mike Leak. I'm going to say sit Gomber. I don't think he's really earned it. He was good last time out. We've got uh, Felix Pena and Robbie Erlin. I'm going to sit both of them. And Derek Holland at Hyunjin Ryu. So Ryu, first start off the DL, always dicey. Otherwise, I'd say start him. Yeah, I would say I'm about 60% confident in Ryu. And you might want to pick him up because Ryu was pitching really well. He had a 2.12 ERA and a .88 whip. So it might be uh, too late, but if it's not 62% owned, you know what? I, I'm, I'm confident enough to start him. I have a feeling he'll be on a pitch count. So I don't think he's a great start, but I think Ryu will do, do well while he pitches. And Holland, coming off a bad start, I have lost some faith because nobody really bought it when he was pitching very well. Gave up 10 hits and four runs against Pittsburgh. I'm going to approach it cautiously and say sit him. We know Machado and... Dozier should make the Dodgers better against lefties. So I think you sit Derek Holland and you, you, you nervously start Hyunjin Ryu knowing you might only get five innings. That's it for today's show. Big mailbag show yesterday. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. For Scott White, I am Adam Azer. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Oh, this is Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Sunday.